We live in an age of anxiety. It's like an illness. You can't sleep. You don't laugh anymore. Stress is your constant companion. The reality is, there's a lot to worry about. Loved ones get sick. People lose their jobs. Friends get cancer. Families struggle. So we worry and feel anxious. But be encouraged. While worry is a part of life, it doesn't have to dominate it. God offers peace in the midst of the storm. He is sovereign, present, bigger than your problems, and always right on time. Trust Him and you can be anxious for nothing. What's up, Liquid Church? How you doing? My name is Nathan. I have the privilege of serving as the teaching pastor here. We join welcoming all of our campuses watching throughout the state of New Jersey. What's up, guys? How y'all doing? Want to welcome you if you're watching with us online. Uh, welcome again because we are wrapping up our series, Anxious for Nothing, where we have been waging war against worry and really going after the big A, which is anxiety. And so throughout this series, uh, we've kind of talked about how can we gain victory over anxiety. And you know, if, if I'm honest, when we first started this series, I was kind of thinking, you know, I don't really struggle with anxiety. I don't get stressed out. But then as Pastor Tim was kind of going into the series, one of the things I realized is, oh, maybe I do struggle with anxiety. And I struggle with denial because, you know, I, I just assumed, you know, if I ever felt anxious about something, I would just kind of repress it, I'd push it away, I'd procrastinate until whatever this issue was would just get so big it'd blow up in my face and then I'd have to take action from there. So I've really benefited from this whole idea of finding calm, and that's kind of been what we've been framing this series around, the word calm. We actually get this idea from the book Anxious for Nothing. It was a book written by Max Licato. This is a phenomenal book. I love the subtext here. Finding calm in a chaotic world. So if you struggle with anxiety or a friend of yours or someone in your family, maybe they wrestle with anxiety, this is a great resource to kind of help, you know, uh, find some help in fighting the war against worry and kind of winning against anxiety. So we've been looking at calm. How do we find calm in the storms of anxiety? And so the first week Pastor Tim kicked this off, he talked about control how control belongs to God. We are not in control. We resign for being the CEOs of the universe, but God is in control. He is sovereign. And then last week, Pastor Tim looked at how do we ask? How do we ask for help? We ask God to help us, but we're specific about what we're asking for. Rather than saying, God, will you bless my day? But saying, God, I have this meeting at 9 a.m. I need to have focus. I need to be on top of my game. I need your favor. I need clarity in the words that I say. And God, I pray that you'd help us move forward with this um, proposal. And then there's leave. We need to leave our worries with him. You know, it says that we can cast our cares to God. He, he cares for us. He wants to know what is causing us anxiety, and he wants to know what causes us worry. But maybe you experience this. I know I have. When I leave my worries with God, they're right here. I left them with him. They boomerang back, and they're back to me again. And that's why we need to talk about how do we meditate? Meditate on what is true and what is beautiful and what is lovely. Meditate. <laughs> Listen, this is harder than it looks, Okay. Pastor Tim was a teacher for like 10 years, so he's got this down. So, but you know, meditate. But how do we, you know, think about the things that are pure and good that, that can actually help us kind of do battle when those anxious thoughts come back after us? So calm. Today we've been looking at control, ask, leave, meditate. Now, 
Who can use some calm in their lives today? Okay, a couple of us could, right? Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, calm down. Now turn back to the person who said that to you and say, no, you calm down. <laughs> right? I mean, maybe for you, this series has kind of hit a chord. You're like, dude, this is my issue. Like, I am struggling with anxiety big time. So we would like to come alongside you as a church. We are going to be uh, kicking off in a couple weeks anxiety support groups. We're going to be digging into the scriptures, looking for what the scripture says is how can we do battle with anxiety? What's the scripture strategy for kind of finding victory in this area? Uh, this will be at a couple of our campuses. You can get more information on this at Groups Sunday. In a few weeks, we'll be doing Group Sunday, talking about how you can get into a group. And we'll specifically talk about how you can find an anxiety support group for you to help you win the war against worry. And just something that we've been saying throughout this series, I want to remind you that we've been talking about beating situational anxiety, not medical anxiety. I know many of you are experiencing God's healing through medication or therapy and don't want to make you feel like you're less of a Christian. You know, anxiety is complicated and a simple verse won't make it disappear, but we do believe scripture is a weapon we can use against worry to win the war. So we've been looking at the prescription that Dr. Paul, the apostle, has given us in Philippians chapter 4, 6 through 9. And we've actually been walking through this verse, uh, these group of verses together for the past few weeks. And one of the things I've loved is we've actually been able to say these verses out loud across all of our campuses to kind of internalize what this truth is. So we're going to do this one last time. Say these verses together. So here's what I want you to do. Sit up straight. Breathe in a nice fresh breath of air. Your lungs are full of air. Your heart is full of hope. And let's say this together. Ready? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. So the final piece in Paul's strategy for going to war against anxiety is to realize that the battleground against anxiety is right between your ears. It's your mind. And it's getting a grip on your thoughts. So in fact, you've got to learn to think about what you think about. In fact, why don't you say this with me? Think about what you think about. In fact, this is the title of today's message. Because to win the war on worry, we've got to monitor our thoughts and discipline our thoughts to go into battle. Because sometimes Satan, all he's got to do is give you a thought, and then all of a sudden you get on this cycle that gets you into places that you don't want to go. So we're going to learn about how do we think about what we think about. Because, you know, you get a twitch in your neck, and then all of a sudden you're thinking, it's a tumor. I've got cancer. Right? And then all of a sudden, those thoughts kind of build and build and build, and it takes you to a place that you don't want to go into. Which is why today, we are going to be looking at how do you and I meditate. This is, I think, the crucial key here to getting our thinking straight. Meditate on good things, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and admirable and lovely. Those are the things that are going to help us win this battle. Now, what do, you, what do I mean by meditation or, or meditate? Like, I know for some of us, when you think of meditate, you think maybe getting in the lotus position here right? You get in the lotus position, you kind of get your ohms out, right? 
I am anxious for nothing, oh, but I'm getting hungry. You know, it's like, I got to empty out my mind or something like that. You're thinking, oh, yeah, that's that thing those Indian people did. Now, wait a minute. First off, not all Indian people do this, right? But, you know, we think, you know, it's got to be like some sort of Eastern meditation thing, right? But that's not what the scripture means by meditation. In fact, the way I like to think about meditation is to think about active marinating. In fact, why don't you say this word with me? Say marinate, church. Marinate. marinate. Now, how many of you, where are my grill masters out? That you're like, I don't care if it's September, the grill's still going. A couple of you out there? All right, there's a few of you, right? You know, if you're a grill master and you love barbecue, you know the secret to good barbecue is getting a good cut of meat, but it's also your marinade. Because what the marinade does is you put that piece of meat into that liquid, and what it does is it softens it, it tenderizes it, the flavors get all into it, and you know it's going to be a good, good barbecue when you get a good marinade. Now, the same is true when you marinate in the scriptures. When you're reading scripture, and you're memorizing scripture, and you're talking about scripture, and you're studying it, you're taking it apart, what you're doing is you're marinating your mind in God's word. And what starts to happen is your heart starts to get tender towards God. And your ears are sensitized to what the Spirit of God is saying to you. And your thoughts are flavored with the thoughts of Christ. And what starts to happen is you start to recognize what are his thoughts versus anxious thoughts. And you can start to lean into them. Because part of the good news in the war against anxiety is this reality. That the more you marinate in the scriptures, you realize that you select your thoughts. You select your thoughts. You actually have control over what thoughts start to run through your mind. Now, there's a lot of things we don't have control over, right? You don't have control over what uh, family you were born into. You don't have control over where you were born. You can't control the weather or the economy or the government. But you can control what thoughts land in your mind. If you think about your mind like an airport, you are the air traffic controller of your mind. You're the mental air traffic controller. So these thoughts are flying around like these airplanes, and you can decide what thought comes in for a landing, and one thought needs to kind of keep flying and keep buzzing around. You can have thoughts land that are going to build you up, that are positive, that are uh, praiseworthy. You can have thoughts that are debilitating, that are angst-ridden and cause anxiety. In fact, we need to be aware of this reality because the scriptures teach us to be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. What runs your life? your thoughts. See, your thoughts and your beliefs can lead to your behavior. And so that's why it's so important to be aware of this, because you become what you believe. And we need to make sure we are marinating and meditating and making sure we're letting the right thoughts land in our minds and stay there. But the reality also is this is not a neutral battle. It's not simply, I just got to think better thoughts. You actually have an enemy that is coming against you. You have an enemy that is planting within you thoughts for the purpose of basically bringing you down. Because even though you can select your thoughts, you need to keep in mind that Satan attacks your thoughts. Satan attacks your thoughts. Now, I know some of you are thinking this, like, dude, this is 2018. You want me to believe in a devil, some guy that wears red tights, has got horns and a pitchfork? Come on, this is fantasy. Listen, here's what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach that there is a real enemy whose only purpose is to destroy humanity, to to kill whatever uh, good is in our lives. He does whatever he can to do this. That's what kind of the, the scripture teaches. In fact, he would love nothing more than let these planes land in your mind that kind of unload this stinky cargo of stinking thinking, of thoughts and ideas and attitudes that would do nothing more but break you down. For instance, you ever had this thought? You go to the doctor 
the doctor finds a mole in your skin or you find a new mole and all of a sudden you're thinking it's cancer. And your thoughts start running on and on and on and on. Or your kids come home from school one day and they give you a little extra attitude. They're complaining a lot more. They're really being difficult. You're like, they must be vaping. (laughs) They're on drugs. There's something going on there. And then your mind starts going, 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 going. And then all of a sudden there's a bump in the economy and you're like, we're going to lose our business. We're going to lose our livelihood. We're not going to make it. And all of a sudden you start going, going, going and you can't bring the thoughts back. But he's the thing, even though Satan can orchestrate circumstances and situations to come against you and kind of have these thoughts flying over, he is not the master of your mind. You know who the master of the mind is? You are. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm a mastermind. <laughs> so when you're in this situation where there's a battle going on in your mind and the anxious thoughts are coming at you, how can you figure out what is from God And what is from the enemy? Well, you see, the Lord has shown us in his word that Satan comes at us with like three categories of types of thinking that we need to be aware of. In fact, we're going to go through them right now. Here. The first category of thoughts that the enemy will send your way is what I call godless thoughts. These are godless thoughts. Now, when I say godless thoughts, I'm not just talking about you know, like blasphemous thoughts or thoughts like, oh, God doesn't exist. He's not really involved in the world. When I say godless thoughts, I'm actually thinking about when you're in a situation that causes anxiety and you don't turn to God. Like you go to the doctor and you get the diagnosis that it's cancer and all of a sudden your mind just goes, how are we going to do chemo? How are we going to do this? I can't believe this. Uh, You know, my life's coming to a close. We start kind of thinking and our mind starts running. But in that whole process, we've never invited God to come into our thinking. We've never looked to him. And it's easy for us to fall into this hole where we start to think without God. And whenever we start thinking without God in the picture, we end up void of hope. And once godless thoughts start to build momentum, it leads to what are called negative thoughts. Negative thoughts. Negative thoughts are just these darker thoughts. Maybe they're thoughts that are just kind of difficult. Now, I just want to say this. Not all negative thoughts are of Satan. Some negative thoughts are negative because situations are negative. But remember what Jesus says about Satan. He actually calls Satan a thief. And he says in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. See, Satan wants nothing more than to steal your joy. He wants to kill your dreams, and he wants to destroy your life. That's what he would love to do more than anything else. And so he has no problem sending a negative thought but the, the change happens when the negative thought turns to condemnation. See, when your thinking starts to condemn you, what happens, it's almost like a, a pit bull grabbing onto you. And it, it doesn't leave. It, you can't shake it off. It's, it's a thought that just is there all the time. It becomes emotionally crippling. You know, like, you know, a negative thought is, you know, I'm going to be late for work. It's the second time, you know, this month. I, man, what, I got to figure out a better way to do this. My morning routine. The negative thought becomes... Or the the one that comes from Satan is, I'm late for work again. I'm a failure. I don't deserve to have this job. I'm just going to mess this up. I I mess everything up. There's just something deeply wrong with me. It kind of goes into guilt. It goes into shame. That's the negative thought that the enemy wants to bring your way. And once godless thoughts start to build momentum and the negative thoughts start to build momentum, eventually become amplified thoughts. They get louder and louder. I know, I can't spell. It's okay. Don't amplify my thoughts, people. 
but they become amplified. They get louder in your head, right? And they start to make all these noises, and it gets louder and louder, you know, and you start to hear things like this, man, I will never get out of debt. I'm never going to lose this weight. Man, I'm never going to get the promotion. I always, always get passed over for the job. See, the, the thoughts get negative. In fact, I, I, I like how Peter puts it. Peter puts it this way. Be alert and sober-minded because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a what? Roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He starts screaming in your head and all the thoughts start to get louder and louder. They're overstated. They're overblown. They're catastrophic. And maybe you're here. Maybe, you know, anxiety is not your biggest issue and you've never felt the, those thoughts. But I know that many of you have. And what would happen if you start to get surrounded by these godless, negative, and amplified thoughts? They start to surround you, and they start to swarm all over you. See what happens is these thoughts actually become gnats. You guys know what gnats are? They're these things. You go for a walk in the woods to go enjoy God's beautiful creation, and all of a sudden you see this swarm of things flying and, you know, they, they get right, they get all over you. They get in your eyes, and your nose, and your ears. Like, that's why some of you talk about how beautiful it is to go hiking. It's not beautiful. These things get into your, like, oh, you know, like, do you think about this? You know, stay in the air conditioning and just get a screensaver with the outdoors on it. That's, that's just the way to go, you know? Like, you know, that, it's not free is the way to be. But, but think about these godless, negative, and amplified thoughts. They start kind of streaming into your mind, and it's like gnats, but on the inside. They're buzzing, 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 buzzing. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, it's a gnat here, it's a gnat there. They're everywhere, and, and you can't focus. You can't hear the voice of God. You can't hear the voice of friends trying to pull you out of your anxiety. The gnats don't stop buzzing, and it just gets louder and louder, so you can't even hear yourself. You can't even hear God. I just want to call time out for a second. And I want to talk to you specifically if you're here in this um, room or you're watching at one of our campuses and you're a caregiver. Maybe you're a caregiver because you have a child with special needs and you spend a lot of time with them and you're thinking about them a lot. Or maybe you're taking care of an elderly parent or an elderly relative. You've got a very different set of gnats that are buzzing at you. And their buzzing doesn't stop. You know, I was talking to a friend of mine who's got a, a, a kid with special needs, and she was telling me, Nathan, the anxiety for me doesn't stop. I mean, it, it kind of goes on the low end and the back burner, but it's still there. Like, I'm always thinking about, you know, how's my, how's my son going to do in school today? Is he going to have people to sit with him in the cafeteria? Is he going to do well in school? Is he going to do well? Is he going to be able to take care of himself after he graduates high school? Like, when, when we're gone, is he going to be able to take him, care of himself without us? Is he going to be able to be financially independent? Is he going to be able to find love or, you know, have a life? Or maybe you're in a, in a place where you're actually taking care of an aging relative. And all of a sudden you've got an elderly person living in your home and you're, and you're like, you know, where are we going to fit the hospital bed? Can we afford to have nurses coming and, and caring for them on a regular basis? Where are we going to store the oxygen tanks? What happens when they call out our name in the middle of the night and they're asking for help? Can we give them the right amount of help? Or about bathroom accidents? How are we going to handle all this and deal with all this? And if you're here and you're a caregiver, I can't imagine what the gnats sound like for you. I, I just can't. And I'd love to be able to say, you know, here's the magic formula to make it go away. 
but you'll probably always have some gnats buzzing. They'll always be there buzzing in the background. But I want to offer you some hope, because there is hope. Even though the gnats will be buzzing, you can capture some of those gnats. You can silence and mute some of those voices. Because when you start to focus on different thoughts, you can start to find peace in a sea of anxiety. You can grab onto the life raft of tranquility while the gnats are buzzing all around you. As you fix your mind in whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, when you start to focus on these things and these thoughts, it can start to give you some freedom because you'll have better thoughts to focus in on. See, when you realize that you actually have control, you can actually select what thoughts you let in. And when you realize that this is not a neutral battle, there is actually an enemy trying to skew your thoughts. There is a way to counteract him. There's actually a way for you to fight back, and that is simply to welcome God's thoughts. To welcome God's thoughts. God wants to give you thoughts as a way to combat the gnats that the enemy is bringing your way. Let me show you what I mean here. Because maybe you come from a, a tradition where you're like, I don't know what God sounds like. How can I recognize God's thoughts or using God's thoughts in the midst of the gnats that are buzzing? Well, the first thing to keep in mind is that God's thoughts are always God-centered. I, I know that seems obvious, but you got to call out the obvious. But his thoughts are God-centered, that they are all about him and how he can help you in the midst of what you're struggling through. They're God-centered. Um, let me give you an example. So the other night, my son, um, in, the, in the evening, he starts wheezing. And uh, in the morning, he's still wheezing. We take him to the doctor. The doctor says, I think he might have asthma. Now, you know, for me, who was once in denial about anxiety and now realize, okay, maybe I do get anxious about things, my mind is running. I'm like, okay, what, what, what's going to happen if he gets an anxiety attack, or an anxiety attack, uh, you know, an asthma attack? Like, do we have the right medication? Will we be able to get him to the right doctors in the right time? Like, like, like what are we going to do? Are we, you know, do I have the wisdom enough to help him? So my mind is running in all these what if, what if. And then I had this realization in the midst of this, probably because, you know, I was writing this message. These are godless thoughts. Like, God's not in this, so there's no hope. And so all of a sudden, I started taking this, this, this conversation happening in my head. I said, all right, God, I'm going to offer this up to you as a prayer. God, I am anxious about my son having asthma. God, I don't know if I have enough knowledge or have enough discernment to know what to do, when to take him to the doctor, when, you know, what medication he needs to have. I don't have any of that. And so I started praying this out to God, and I realized, okay, my anxiety is actually going up to God in this prayer. And so the things that are causing you anxiety are actually opportunities for you to reflect and pray them back to God. God, I really struggle in my marriage. Like, I don't know, you know, where my husband's at. It seems like we're always missing each other. We're having a hard time communicating. God, would you clear up our communication? Would you help us find common ground as we're trying to, you know, stay strong in our marriage? Because I know you want us to stay married. Or, you know, God, I'm having a hard time at work. It doesn't seem like I'm getting anything right. Uh, it seems like I keep, you know, messing up. God, would you help me? Will you give me focus? Start praying your anxiety back to him. Take your thoughts from a godless place to a God-centered place. Because when you do that, there's hope. And not only are God's thoughts God-centered, but they're also inspirational. God's thoughts are inspiring. In fact, it's interesting. You look at the word inspiration or inspire, and it's got the words in and spirit in it. They come from the Spirit. The Spirit of God is what inspires us to find hope. Now, when I say inspiration, I'm not talking about like the Hallmark movie channel. You guys know the Hallmark movie channel? I know some of you are fans of it. That's okay. No judgment here. But, you know, 
Every movie is the same movie. It's the same plot <laughs> with different actors and actresses, right? And, you know, Candace Bergen is in, in some of them, right? Like, you know, it's the same, you know, it's the same movie, you know, different plot, but they always end with this kind of happy, clappy, sappy ending where, you know, it's always happy, everyone's happy at the end. That's not the type of inspiration I'm talking about. The type of inspiration that comes from God and from his thoughts is that they're grounded in Christ, because Jesus is our hope. Jesus is the one who has defeated sin, death, and the devil on the cross. And because of that victory that he won for us, we can have victory. So his thoughts are inspiring. Jesus is the Lord of hope. Jesus is the Lord of light. So he shines light on the scriptures when we are looking for hope, when we're looking for encouragement. That's the kind of inspiring thoughts that we need. Amen? Yeah, give God a praise. These are the inspiring thoughts that God has for us. So when you're in a season when the anxiety is just dialed up high in your head, because maybe you're feeling just burnt out, you're feeling tired, you're like, God, I am overwhelmed because I can't handle all of these health issues that are coming at me. God, I'm overwhelmed because our business is struggling. I just don't have the enough time or energy to go after this. God, you know this issue. I'm struggling. I just feel so, so tired. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's going to take you to verses like Matthew 11 where it says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Stop striving. Come, just come, come to me. I'll, I'll give you rest. Or maybe you're in this place where you're, where you're saying, you know, I, I just, I feel so lonely. Uh, this relationship just fell apart. My divorce just became final. I just feel so raw. I feel so alone. I, I just want someone to take care of me. And Jesus says to you, I'm the good shepherd. Let me take care of you. Or maybe you're in a lawsuit right now, and you're like, you know, this lawsuit just is never-ending. It's, it's burning away all my mental energy. My emotional energy is just getting burnt away by this. My finances are just getting burnt away. I, I just don't know what to do. And God says, you'll walk through the fire and not get burned. Amen? Amen. you walk through the fire and not get burned. See, when you're going to battle with the enemy— you need to know that God has inspired thoughts for you to grab onto, to hold onto in this battle. And when you start filling your gun with these bullets, you will find victory because God's thoughts that are inspirational, they're not based on sentiment. They're actually based on the factual truth, factual thoughts that come from who Jesus is. And so that's one of the we need things we need to look for. Are they factual? Not fake news, but factual thoughts. You know, one of the names for Jesus, he says that I am the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. Therefore, Jesus is our truth that we can look to when things get difficult. You know, sometimes the enemy, when he's got the gnats buzzing at us, all he has got to do, for many of us, definitely for me, is he just gives us the stick and we beat ourselves with it. You guys know what I mean by that? Like, so this happened to me the other day. So, not the other day. So, you know, during vacation, I did a major, like, vacation no-no. I looked at my email. And so I open up my email, and this email says, hey, uh, Pastor Nathan, I was wondering if we can get together. Um, I feel like I want to talk to you about something more face-to-face. -face. And so my mind automatically goes, uh -oh, what did I say? <laughs> what did I do? What did I put on my Facebook the other day? Uh, oh, did I write something in my blog? Oh, did this guy talk to Pastor Tim? <laughs> what did he— is Pastor Tim going to be mad at me? Is Pastor Tim going to fire me? If I lose my job, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I'm going to lose my house. If I lose my house, I'm going to lose my family because they want a place to live. And, and if I lose my family, I'm going to be out in the street with a cardboard box that says, don't check email on vacation. <laughs> It'll ruin your life. You know, why is it that, you know, as soon as something happens, our mind goes to the darkest possibility right away? It goes to the first place. 
you know? I mean, who, for all I know, you know, this guy wanted to meet to give me $1,000. He didn't, but it's okay. <laughs> but, you know, when you start to marinate in the scriptures, you know what starts to happen is you actually develop a filter. You start to filter, okay, this is a God thought, this is not. This is a God thought, this is an anxious thought. You start to kind of filter that through, and then you start to actually see that even though the gnats are buzzing, there's something else that God is doing, and that is he's giving gifts in the midst of the anxiety. There are actually, we can see God's gifts for us while the gnats are buzzing when we start to center our thoughts on his thoughts rather than the anxious thoughts. Let me show you how this works. You know, Max Licato in his book, Anxious for Nothing, he talks about a story of um, a mother and a daughter named Kristen and Rebecca Taylor. So Rebecca Taylor here, she's 13 years old, and at the age of 13, she has endured 55 surgeries and procedures in her 13 years of life. She has spent over 1,000 days in the hospital. Kristen, who's her mom, can speak with the ease of a surgeon and tell you all the issues and the complications that her daughter has with her issue. And while most moms, you know, at this stage in their kid's life, they talk about PTA meetings and sleepovers and get off your cell phone, you're on there too long, she also knows things like blood tests and stents. And the newest term is hemorrhagic stroke. In fact, she wrote this on her blog. This past week's new landmine was the phrase, possible hemorrhagic stroke, a phrase I heard dozens of times used by numerous physicians. Over and over and over, that phrase filled my mind, and it consumed my thoughts. It was emotionally crippling. You guys ever been there? Where this thought comes, and it just kind of cripples everything. It just kind of supersizes over everything else. Well, that's Kristen's story. And so she says, you know, she's discovering, you know, Philippians 4. She starts to dig into it. And she's like, okay, I, I know I need calm, right? Okay, God, I know that you're in control of my daughter's situation, and you're good, and you're trustworthy, you're sovereign. And God, I'm going to ask for your help. I want you to protect my daughter from a hemorrhagic stroke. I don't want her to have that. And God, I'm going to leave my worries with you. I'm going to leave them at the cross. I've surrendered them to you. They're yours, God. But you know what happens to our worries, right? We throw them to the cross, and it boomerangs back to us. And that's when she realized, I have to meditate. I need to marinate. I need to marinate my mind and my heart on the truth. And so she goes to verse 8, the, the verse that we easily kind of skip over. And she starts to kind of go through this verse, and she writes, Finally, brothers, whatever is true. And she writes this, What was true in my life at this particular moment? She says, The blessing of a f all family members eating dinner together. Whatever is noble. The blessing of enjoying each other's presence outside of a hospital room. Whatever is right, the blessing of experiencing my two sons' daily lives. Whatever is pure, the blessing of all three children laughing and playing with each other. Whatever is lovely, the blessing of watching Rebecca sleep peacefully in her bed at night. Whatever is admirable, the blessing of an honorable team working around the clock on Rebecca's care. If anything is excellent, the blessing of of watching a miracle unfold. Or praiseworthy. The blessing of worshiping a Lord who is worthy to be praised. Think about such things. She finishes up her blog post by writing, As I meditated on these things, I stopped the dreaded phrase, hemorrhagic stroke, 
from sucking out any joy in my life. Its power to produce anxiety was now rendered impotent. And when I dwelt on the bountiful blessings in my life happening at that very moment, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it did in that moment guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus, a true and unexpected blessing. See, for her, the miracle came at the other end of marinating. You see, for her, she was so crippled by this, but she had to marinate on the gifts of God and not be ruled by the gnats that were buzzing around all over her head. You see, in the midst of the gnats, God has gifts, but we have a choice. We can either choose the gifts or we can choose the gnats. Are we going to choose to see and hear and listen to the gnats and let them overpower us? Or are we going to look around and search for the gifts that God has all around us, the gifts that are true and noble and right and pure and admirable and lovely? Listen, things in Kristen's life haven't gotten better. In fact, in her latest blog post, she writes about how her daughter Rebecca had a bad day. She's in the hospital again for a couple more days. She's got scoliosis, and she's like, you know, I am ridded with guilt and anxiety because I wish I could be the mom to my two sons that I want to be and the wife to my husband that I want to be, but I just can't do it. And whenever those moments happen where I feel like a failure and the anxiety just kind of runs rampant, I go back and remember and I meditate on what's true. I meditate on the gifts that God has given me. Because even though the gnats are buzzing, the gifts keep flowing. Amen? That's the truth. The gifts of God are still flowing. He hasn't stopped. And that's why Paul, when he ends this prescription, he ends with this verse. He says, whatever you've learned or heard or received from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And let's say this together all across our campus. And the God of peace, let's say this again, God of peace will be with you. You see, the peace of God will be with you. The peace of God will never leave you. It can't be taken away. It can't be stolen from you because the peace of God is not a thing. It is a person. Jesus is the peace of God. In fact, the scriptures say that Jesus is peace. Amen? Jesus is peace personified. And whenever we meditate on what is good, you know what you're really doing? You're not meditating on things or marinating on things. You're marinating on Jesus because Jesus is true. Jesus is noble. Jesus is right. Jesus is pure. He's lovely. He's admirable. He is praiseworthy and he's excellent. Amen? This is the God that we worship. Amen? Give him praise. This is the God of peace. And in fact, here's what's so fascinating. When you read that verse, it's the God of peace who is Christ wants to give you the peace of God. See, Kierkegaard said that the ultimate source of our anxiety comes from this fear of death. It's always hovering above us. It's always hovering around us. And it's the ultimate source of anxiety. And you know what Jesus did? He came into into earth and he stepped into our anxiety. He stepped into death and he took death on the cross. And on the cross, he experienced our anxiety. He received our anxiety and our fear and our death and our sin. He took all of it upon himself. And in exchange, you know what he gave you? His peace. His peace. Jesus took your anxiety and he gives you a peace that goes beyond your situation, beyond your circumstances, beyond today, beyond yesterday, and beyond your future. It's a peace that you'll have forever. I want to tell you a little bit more about this peace that Jesus suffered and died to give you. It's a peace that cannot be taken away. It's a peace that silenced the gnats that are buzzing in your life. It's a peace that will never leave you. It's a peace that will never forsake you. It's a peace that is eternal, which means it's forever. It's never ending. And we have access to that peace. Listen, for you, I I don't know what's buzzing in your head right now. I don't know what gnats are buzzing around you. 
I don't know how loud they are or how soft they are or how some of them may always be buzzing and some of them may not be buzzing. But I want to tell you, you've got a hope because you have a God of peace who wants to give you peace. That as you marinate in his truth, you can find freedom. You can find hope. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to remember that when anxiety attacks, Jesus, who is our peace, is our defender. He's fighting for you. When anxiety comes, Jesus is your fortress, and you can run to him. You can run to him. If you're like, okay, what's that list? I can't remember whatever is right, true. Just, just run to Jesus, because he's all of those things. You know, I'd love to tell you that, you know, if you come to Jesus, all your problems will go away. I haven't found that verse yet. I'm looking. I haven't found it yet. But even though the world is not good, our God is good. Our God is good. And we need to hold on to that hope and that peace, even when we don't understand what's going on. Here's what I want us to do. I want to have all of us across all of our campuses, would you just stand with me right now? Here's what I want us to do. Stand. I believe that God wants to give us a gift today. We're going to have, we're going to do an exchange right now. I want you to imagine in your hands, hold out your hands, palms facing the ceiling. I want you to imagine right now What's giving you anxiety? What's causing you stress? What stuff are you denying? I know for me, it's my son's uh, asthma. So, so God, here it is. And what we're going to do is we're going to, together through prayer, we're going to give this to God, whatever that is. You imagine what that is all across our campuses. And he's going to take it away. And in exchange, he's going to give you his peace. And some of you in this moment, you're actually going to feel the peace of God. You're going to feel your shoulders ease up and the tension start to go away. For some of you, you're not going to feel it today. You're going to feel it later in the week when you really need it. But I believe the Spirit of God is going to do a divine download right now of His peace in your heart and your soul. So Spirit of God, we invite you to come to manifest your presence. As right now, we come before you with our anxiety. Your word says to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. In a world that is not good, you are good. We declare that. So right now, in your own words, go ahead, just say, Jesus, I give you my anxiety. Jesus, take my anxiety. Go ahead and be specific. Jesus, I give you the issue with asthma. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your relationships. Just go ahead and give it to the Lord. He can take it. And God, as um, we are giving you our anxiety, we're doing what your word says. It says to cast our cares on you. We also ask that you would give us the peace that passes all understanding. Would you give us the peace that we need? God, I ask for peace in my own heart, in my wife's heart, as our son has anxiety. Go ahead, just tell the Lord what you need peace for. Let's make it specific. Just go ahead, say it out loud. Don't be afraid. God, this is where I need your peace. Right now, Lord, I know the enemy wants to do nothing more than to make things louder and bring so much doubt and what about this, what about this? So right now we just take authority over all those distracting thoughts, all those loose thoughts, and we ask that they go to your feet, Jesus. Because the God that cares for us, the God that gives us peace, you will lead us into peace and you'll show us and deal with all the what-ifs that come our way. But right now, our job is to simply give our anxiety and our anxious thoughts to you. So, Father, as we surrender these anxious thoughts to you, and as we receive your peace, 
in the midst of all the chaos of life. We thank you that you've met us in Jesus' mighty and awesome name. Amen.